The Lord Jesus Christ. Ain't it good to be here? I'm Brother Mark. I'm uh, pastors are out of town. They asked me to speak and share the word. And of course, I don't do this myself. I rely, depend on trust the Holy Spirit to deliver a ready word for you. And I'm hoping that we will all be in a position to receive it. Um, before we get into the message today, I just want to say again, Jesus Christ is Lord. You didn't come here for me. We came here for the Lord Jesus Christ. The title of the message today is Bondservant of Christ. Bondservant of Christ. And we're going to come out of the text, Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 through 30. And uh, specifically, uh, verse 29, uh, where Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So before we get into the message today, we're going to turn this over to the Holy Spirit so he can teach us. And uh, we're going to pray for our pastors and their safe return home. And again, I want to thank all of you who came out today to participate in today's services. And I say participate because there is something that we get to do. We get to worship God. This is not a passive experience. He's already done his work, but he's expecting something from us. We don't let the rocks cry out before we do. Not in this church, not in the church of God. Don't let these 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 cinder blocks or whatever is holding these walls up. Start crying out to Jesus because you wouldn't do it. If that's too much for your brain, your spirit knows it. So we're here to worship God and we get to worship God just as we get to serve him. It's not out of obligation. It's out of responsibility and desire and gratefulness and thankfulness. So before we begin, we're going to go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, I thank you for this message, Holy Spirit, that you got for your people. I ask you this tongue to deliver your word. Father, I thank you that you've got something unique, special for each one of us. And I pray now, Father God, that your word would go forth in power, directness, and pierce the hearts of men. Reach them, O God, as only you can. I thank you for them. I thank you for each person who's showed up today and those who are watching through other means, oh God. Reach them, oh God, with your word. Father, you are awesome. You are good. And Holy Spirit, I turn this over to you now to do your will. You are great, awesome, and mighty, and a wonderful teacher you are in Jesus Christ's name. And Father, we lift up and bless our pastors and pray for their safe travel and return home. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. amen. So, <clears throat> bond servant. When we hear bond servant, it doesn't always um, bring up images of rest. But God says, take my yoke and I'll give you rest. There is a lot going on. There's a lot of depravity. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of sickness. There's a lot of darkness in this world. My wife and I were looking at a show and she, she said, Mark, I just want you to look at this. 
look at a little bit of this so you can have an idea of what's going on. And we looked at this young woman who was struggling to get into L.A. to participate in this life of depravity. She was already doing things that were um, foul, unclean. But she wanted to make it. She had to get it. And she had to get to a place where she had a chance to make it. Being on the outskirts of L.A. wasn't enough. She had to get in. She had to get her hustle on. And what you saw was that, and the commentator made the point, that a lot of individuals don't make it. Not only don't make it in the industry, they don't make it in life. They die. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. You're in this world, but you won't be of it. You're called to a higher calling. You don't belong to this world. The Bible says that you've been delivered. In Colossians 1, 13 through 14, it says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We don't belong to the world, even though we're in it, we're not of it. But we have to recognize it because as a bondservant of Christ, you no longer have your identity. The definition of bondservant in the Strong's Concordance says, properly, someone who belongs to another. A bond slave without ownership rights of their own. It's used in the New Testament as a, it's the highest dignity in the New Testament. It refers to a believer who willingly lives under the authority of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says, take my yoke, there's a choice in it. You don't have to do it. Every one of us has free will. We get to choose Jesus. We get to worship God. We get to pay our tithes and our offering. God doesn't need it. My wife was cautioning me the other day when I was talking with my son and encouraging him in this because he's been trained in this and he's shared his heart with me. Dad, I, I desire to give to God. But I'm, I, for some reason, I'm always watching because I'm like, you're going to stay in this blessing. And so you, you, did you give your tithes? And, did you, did you, and, and my wife said, Mark, this is a heart issue. Are you judging him? And I, I said, thank you. I received that correction because I sure enough was. And I know sure enough isn't a word. <laughs> I was getting on him and I love him so. But the point is, is that I wanted to impress upon Thomas, you get to give to God. You get to serve God because of what he's done for you. So when... I was thinking about this message and, and what does a bond servant of Christ look like? It's someone who's sold out. Someone who's bound to him. You don't come under that kind of bondage without a deep love and intimacy with God. 
And if you haven't found yourself to be a bondservant yet, maybe you haven't cultivated that personalization that comes when fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear heard the things which God has prepared for us who love him. But the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God and reveals them to our spirit that we may know them. This idea of, of servitude and bond servant, it, inquire, it, 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 it implies work. And as we were talking about this, this image of this young lady who was outside of L.A. trying to get in to get work, to make it any way she can. And it's interesting because I had to evaluate what really work is. What's the source of work? Who are you doing it for? What is your reward? Most say if you ask them, what are you working for? Well, I'm working to pay the bills. I'm working for my family. But that's not the proper order. Not biblically. Because the Bible says that whatever you do, in Colossians 3, 23 through 24, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So when we go into work every day, we have to be careful that we don't make our boss our Lord. You don't start serving a kingdom filled with darkness as opposed to the kingdom of light of his dear son. See, Jesus didn't get that mixed up. He never did. When Pilate, before his crucifixion, said to him, don't you know I have power over you? Jesus reminded him, since I was 12, I've spoken it. I'm under the authority of my father. The only authority you have is that from the one above. He wouldn't let anyone take the place of his father's dominion over his life. How can you go into a place one way and think you're going to come out another way if you don't know your identity in the first place? You can't have a one image going into work, into school, into whatever environment. You don't turn God on and off that way. He says, I am God. I won't be mocked. It's so interesting because we were, we were watching this wonderful ministry the la last night and, and we were looking at the issue of identity because a bondservant doesn't have his identity. See, I willingly lose my life. For him who gave his life for me. When you get it, you get it. The Bible says in Jude, one of my favorite passages as that was brought to my attention one day. And Jude, one of Jesus' brothers, those that, you know, doing his earthly ministry, were like, Jesus, what are you doing? Tempting him, taunting him at times, the Bible reveals. But we read in the book of Jude how he describes himself. The very first passage, Jude says, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. 
This is my relationship to Jesus. This is my relationship to my brother. I'm his bondservant, even though biologically he was his brother. He was already sold out. He was already gone. He had already made a choice. And it is written. What is written about you? Have you made that choice that wherever I go, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ? He laid his life down for me and I laid my life down for him. So the the intimacy required in that comes from close fellowship, oneness, not in and out. The Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. Make a choice. Choose a side. Don't straddle. I'd rather, Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm. Most don't know how to choose a side. They want to be over here part of the time and over here the other time. But God is watching. In Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. In this culture of depersonalization, de-identity, everyone is striving for identity. Everyone wants to make it. Everyone wants to be famous and not connected to anyone. I'm not much, I don't have a lot of social media, but I, I can see that people are taking pictures on their phone. They have followers. They're, they're, they're connecting by phone. They're texting, but no one picks up the phone anymore. No one goes out to visit as much anymore. No one sits at the feet of an elder for, for three or four hours and just sits there. And to allow the passage of that wisdom from one generation to the next. Jesus told Martha, Mary's chosen the best thing. She's sitting right here at my feet. See, if you ain't got time for God, and I heard it, I said ain't. If you don't have time for God or you ain't got time for God, either one. It doesn't work for your good. And you, you're not going to automatically have time for him. You have to put some work into it. Because things are coming so fast, so hard. There's so much coming into your ears, so much trying to get into your eyes, so much trying to get into your soul. That you have no rest in it. You haven't been filled with the love of God. You have in fellowship with him. And he's trying to get in with his word so you can you can he can transform you. But that takes rest. That takes sometimes seclusion. That takes sometimes pulling back. God didn't call us to be isolated from the world. He said, be in it, but not of it. But you have to know when you need to pull back. You need to know when it's time to say no to things and people. Because I need to spend some time with God. I'm no good to you if I'm no good for him. In this uh, area of depersonalization, I look in my own field of medicine. And I remember when um, I made the, had these desires of becoming a physician, um, but I knew it involved people, connecting with people. My wife and I have been together 
since we were 15. And, and so she can remember some of these conversations. And, and so all that said, <clears throat> I remember knowing that I wanted to do something for someone. But what we see today is that many young people are not choosing that field. The rigors of training, out of training, the rigors and the demands on the demanding lifestyle, the time away from home, the, the calls. Many are not making that choice. In fact, in, in one New York institution, they're paying the medical students. Medicine has become depersonalized. Just as people are texting, we're on computers and, and doing these other things. And if we're not careful, we lose that intimacy. See, there was a time when people referred to their doctor as my doctor. Now it's the doctor. See, there was a time when, when, when you sat down with someone in that room, it was a very personal, personal, intimate time. You got to know each other. They knew things about you as a physician and you knew things about them. I remember recently um, I started to reflect on some of this because God has called us to relationship, to fellowship. He doesn't want us depersonalized. He doesn't want us disconnected. He said they're going to know you by how much you love one another. And so we have to be careful that we don't create a substitute for love. I'm not coming up against all technology because technology has its place. But it's the difference between texting someone I love, love you and being in their face and saying, I do love you. We have more cars on the road, and I feel like we, we travel less sometimes to reach the people we love. And so recently, uh, we had uh, one of my former professors who, from Duke, and um, this is someone I really esteem, someone who was good to me, someone I respect highly, someone I had the privilege of walking very closely alongside, working alongside him very closely for about a year or two, or actually more than that. And I really, really just love this man for, he was good to me. And this man was, he's very, he's been very successful. He's been a major person and played a major role on health care today in, in this country. He was recently appointed the uh, chief of the Federal Drug Administration, and now he's back at Duke. But anyway, he's coming up to visit here at Centera, and I was thinking, you know, when, he, when I heard that he was coming, on one, part, on one side I was excited, but on the other hand I was thinking I was a little uneasy, and I didn't know quite why. And so I began to think and reflect on it, and I thought, I don't feel like I've accomplished very much. You know, if I'd stayed at Duke and how many papers I might have written and how many people I may have influenced, people would know my name and probably in other countries and be invited to speak here or there. And, but I remember when I made that choice, I, didn't, I knew that what I had was not enough. Didn't know quite what I was looking for, but I knew it wasn't enough. And I'd made a decision to do it for the one. 
Because if I can get to that room and reach one person and get to know one person and deliver what I consider compassionate care, I felt it would be worth it. So I made a choice and I looked at it now and I thought how important it is that we recognize the one. Because we were the one who Jesus looked for. I remember when he came after me and he came after me with so much relentless love and compassion, forgiving me of all my faults, every mistake I made, every test that I just barely made. He said, that's not what's going to qualify you, Mark. You'll still go to this institution and that institution because of my love. And you're not going to rely on your intellect. You're going to rely on my anointing. I'm not telling you I didn't pass those exams and didn't do well. What I'm saying to you is that I knew that that wouldn't be enough. You need more than that. Because there are a lot of things we just don't and cannot explain. But as I was reflecting about this individual coming, I thought, what am I going to have to show him? I I haven't written any papers. And then I thought, my wife said, show him your office, Mark. Like he's just going to come to my office, but uh, he's coming to meet one of the one of his. I was told one of his um, um, someone he knew is actually one of the heads at uh, Sintero. But anyway, um, all all that said, she says I want him to see what the Lord has done for you. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't know, babe. But do I remember what the Lord has done for me? Because this isn't about him. This is about Jesus. I chose and have chosen to serve him. In season and out of season. God says he has no pleasure in those who are drawn back. This isn't for those to draw back. God has been too good. Jesus pressed in to make it to that cross. Can we see that picture, please, of the two carrying the cross? And we see that to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ is our first identity. Jude said, I'm Jude. Next, I'm bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'm Mark. I'm bondservant of Jesus Christ. Before anything else, before doctor, lawyer, teacher, any other accolated degree, I am bondservant of Jesus Christ because of what he's done for me. You get to serve God. We have to be careful that we don't get stuck in a rut. That we don't get stuck into to, to working and missing the purpose. The Bible says that for scarcely for a righteous man, one will die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone even die. But who would have died for us before we got saved? See, that's not up for your pastor to remember. Jesus said, when you break this bread and drink this blood, 
in remembrance of me. You're remembering me. You're getting me into your life. You're getting me into your soul. See, everybody wants to be remembered by somebody. Everybody wants to be known and acknowledged by somebody. But is it enough to be acknowledged by Jesus himself? See, Satan will tell you that you need your identity out here in the world. You need to be made famous. Snapchat it, hook it up, get on television, dress it up, get famous. It's interesting because in Genesis 3, 5, Satan told Eve, for God knows that in the days you eat of your eyes, eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Now, it's interesting in Genesis 1, 26, that's what Satan said. In Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. She was already like God. She just didn't know it. If you don't know who you are, you ain't going to make it in this world. The devil will lie to you. This world will try to overtake you. You've got to know who you are and whose you are. We hear that phrase a lot. I know whose I am. But does that, are you carrying that yoke that Jesus said to take? This isn't passive. God said, take it if you want it. My dear cousin's, one of her sons, I think he was maybe seven, and uh, his older brother had said, look, it's time for you to get saved. His older brother's about nine. He's a very smart, just brilliant, beautiful young man, beautiful, anointed. And his older brother said, it's time for you to get saved. And he said to him, he said, look, he's seven. He said, I ain't finished having fun yet. So I think that sometimes people think that they lose their identity, they lose the opportunity to have fun when you get yoked with Jesus. You see all that he went through, but you're missing the divine exchange. See, he went through it so you wouldn't. He became poor that you might be rich. He died and suffered so you wouldn't. He took those stripes so you could be healed. What more could you ask of him? But the world will tell you, no, that's, that's, not, no, that's not it. You need some of this fame. You, get, you need to get known. But when we hook up with Jesus, we have to accept that being known by him and knowing him is the highest honor of God. And it, when it becomes enough for you, you live your life differently. You're no longer looking for someone to pat you on the back. In fact, when they do, you say, to God be the glory. Because God is not going to share his glory with man.
Serving Jesus won't wear you down. He's been where you're going. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. We looked at that child on that show trying to get from the outskirts of L.A. into L.A. And she was she looked utterly alone in a dark, full of depravity environment. God said, I won't leave you alone. Not here, not ever. I'm going to send the comforter to you. Peter before he got filled with the Holy Ghost, denied Jesus three times. Jesus said, Peter, after he had exclaimed, Lord, I'll never leave you. I'll do this for you. I'll, I'll, I'll go all the way with you. And Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the crow, the rooster crows. And I believe what he, he was saying to Peter, but don't worry, Peter. Don't worry. I got something for you. I got something better than your self-effort your self-motivation, your desire to pay me back. I got something better than that, your selfish ambition. I got something more than that, Peter, because I love you. I love your zeal. I love your passion. But you're going to need a lot more than that to make it, to do what I've assigned you to do. But one thing we do know is that Peter knew knew Jesus because Jesus said, this is the rock that I'm going to build my church on. I'm going to build my my church on those who know me. Not those who come into a building, because if you stay quiet enough, those rocks might start crying out. These are those who know him, who have intimacy with him, who have fellowship with him, who knew him before they came in the door and are going to know him when they leave out the door. Who got full of him before they walked in and they're going to leave out full of him. They come in here to share, to fellowship, to witness. But after Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit, we see that 3,000 got saved. Someone pointed out a thousand for each time he denied Jesus. That's how that's the multiplication. That's what happens when you get hooked up with the Holy Spirit. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think, according to the power which works within us. He got Peter out of a serious pickle. Peter wanted to do good. He wanted to serve Jesus. But he could barely get out of the praetorium. And then Jesus took him to a place where he would evangelize the world when he hooked up with the Holy Spirit. You get to know God. The Bible says it this way. Eternal life is to know God. When you get born again, it's not enough. We're like babes and Christ. Lord, I need more of you. This, this isn't enough. This isn't enough. I need more of you. And he desires, he's willingly taking you from glory to glory. So as we examine the text, the Bible says, Jesus says, take. And I'm going to read the whole text from 25 to 30, and then we'll go through and examine this 
At the time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest from, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can put work into just about anything when you know who you're working for. You can put work into anything, effort, when you know who you're working for. And we know that purpose to attain things is not enough. We can pray, God, give me a new house, give me a new car, and you get the new house and new car, and you're not satisfied. We weren't designed to have only a house and car. We were designed for relationship. We were designed for fellowship with God and with each other. God sent his son Jesus to die and be buried so that he would have a family resurrected in him. Jesus was the firstborn on down the line to the second, third, until you and I were born again. So we have to have our place in Christ. We have to have our being in Christ. We have to be yoked equally with Christ. We can't be over here in the world and we, we yoke, we're yoked with Christ. He says, be ye holy for I am holy. You're one with him. Jesus says, learn from me. How are you going to do this? Jesus assigned an instructor. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light of his dear son. This is a spiritual thing. Your three parts, your spirit, body, and soul, mind, men, mind, intellect, emotion, will. God says, you've been translated spiritually into this kingdom. I'm going to commune fellowship with you in your spirit because the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. But you have to know your identity in Christ to identify with who you are spiritually. Because otherwise, the world will influence you till you start finding or have you found your identity in the world. Oh, you look the part. Oh, he looks like he'd be a great preacher. Oh, she must be a model. How about that's got to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ? I can just tell that 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 one's that 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 one's a bondservant of Jesus. I can just look and tell how they walk, how they act. They have this confidence Despite what's going on around them, they seem to know who they are. They don't seem to need the accolade of a man or a woman to tell them how good they are. Where is that kind of confidence coming from? I've been equally yoked with God. As Christ Jesus is, so am I in this world. I've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. These aren't, the, these aren't just words. This is the living word. This is the truth. And you getting this into your spirit, man. Yes. 
You've got to mull it over. You've got to meditate on it and get it in there where you can keep it. And you can go confidently and boldly to the throne of grace. God is not looking for those who are bound by self-will and motivation. He's looking for those who can do all things through Christ. Those who recognize if it wasn't for Christ, I could do nothing. If it wasn't for Christ, I am nothing. If it wasn't for Christ, I know nothing. My degrees profit me nothing without Christ. So when I made that decision years ago to leave Duke, I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew there was something more. Not that I couldn't have had it there, but I knew that I was looking for something more. I think many of you, many of us want that more. And Jesus is saying, come. 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 Yield your heart. Yield your spirit to me. You can trust me. See, it's one thing to trust your body and trust your mind, trust your body to a physician, trust your mind to a therapist. It's another thing to trust your very being. Because God identifies who you are spiritually. He's not looking at the outside. He's looking at your heart. When Jesus says, take my yoke, he's saying, do you have a heart for this? Do you have a heart for this yoke I'm going to give you? In other words, do you love me? Are you passionate about me? Do you remember what I've really done for you? Are you grateful? Because you're not going to make it in this life carrying this yoke if you're not. You're going to need something more than self-effort. You're going to need more than works. See, you're going to need to cry out sometime, Lord, help me. I believe, help my unbelief. I need more of you, God. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's how we're supposed to be. God is looking for a contrite heart in his people. Not those puffed up, proud. Arrogant, full of themselves. Want to be named by this one? God is saying, isn't my name enough? Is my name enough for you? Are you satisfied with what I've given you? Is it enough to take you where you want to go? And when you get there, will you remember me? Jesus says, be imitators of Christ, like little children, obedient, not in struggle, strife, and dissension. The law focuses on you and me, what we can accomplish. Grace focuses on Jesus and what he's accomplished. See, when we get out of ourselves and get onto him, we get the benefit of him. But if you focus on you, you're going to get the benefits of you. He tells us about his yoke. He says his yoke. Notice that this is not your yoke. It's his yoke. You have to be willing to be coupled with him. To be identified with Jesus as one of those. 
We heard the story of martyrs in, in the Middle East who were captured by terrorists. And, and these men refused to deny Jesus. As they were told, you either deny Jesus or we're going to take your lives. And there was a story, I think it was 20 of them, that had been recognized. But there was one uh, African also there who, and I only say African because that's what I heard in this story, that this gentleman said he didn't, he didn't know Jesus. He wasn't a believer. But when those men went to give their lives, he had been around them long enough to see, enough to say, even though he hadn't known Jesus, he wasn't a believer at that time. He said, I know enough about them that I'm going to give my life for what they believe. And it was 21, I believe, who was sacrificed. We get in America and we can sit here in our pews. We can show up and, and, and pretend. Jesus died for us. He gave all he has. And God gave all he had. There's nothing more that he had to give. The Bible says everything was made through Jesus. So when God gave us Jesus, he gave us everything he had. And he says, I'm giving him the name which is above every name so you can use it. So you can have authority. And some people will pray, well, in his name, in Jesus' name. Who is his name? It's the name of Jesus that sets the captives free. That heals the blind. That raises the dead. That restores your life and mine. That's the highest name. And they may, may not be the name of the, the law of the land, but it's the name of God. And you get to use it. A good yoke or harnessing system is one that minimizes breakdown of both animals and equipment. A yoke ties two animals together and they must work together or the work will not get done. Each animal has to pull its own weight. I've heard some say when you pray, you pray like it's all up to God. But when you finish praying, you get up like it's all up to you. The animals also need to be close to the same side, age, and breed. If they are unequally yoked, the team will face great difficulty in getting the job done. A yoke, in reality, is nothing more than a tool to do a job. And Jesus is saying, if you hook up with me, you can do a job. Can you do a job? See, a lot of us are going to work and we call it a job. And you're working, but who are you working for? Jesus says, I've got some work for you to do. I've got some kingdom work for you to do. While you're here in this world. But you have to hook up with me. And it says, what is our reward? The Bible says that our reward is rest for our souls. 
when you can do something that you enjoy and you have great personal satisfaction out of it, there is a motivation to do it. There's a way to keep on keeping on. Because you know who you're working for and with. You're not alone. You're not on your own. There's purpose in this work. Just like God purposefully saved me. It wasn't by accident. He said to the heavens, go get Mark. Save him. Get his attention. I want him. Many are called, few are chosen. When he calls you, do you sign up and say, here I am, Lord. Choose me, I'll go. He himself will show us how to make it. He has not left you. He has, not gi he has given you the comforter. But it is contingent upon who you are yoked to and not to what. We have to be careful that we don't make institutions our kingdom. There's an institution of medicine. There's an institution of higher learning. There's an institution of government. You can work in any of these sectors, but you don't make it your kingdom. You don't put all your expectancy in it. You don't expect it to provide when God says, I'm Jehovah Jireh. You don't look for the healer in a man when Jesus says, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I remember when I came up here, I used to always wear my Carolina hat. I'm from North Carolina, and I wear my chapel hat all the time. Many of the docs said, oh, that's how they remember me. He wore his Carolina hat. And I remember I, I was one of these guys that was very passionate, would stand in front of the television and yell at the television if Carolina was playing basketball. And it was, it was quite disturbing. Um, but <clears throat> all that said, and I had a really hard time rooting for Duke, even though I would went there and benefited from it. Um, but I remember when I got delivered. And I say that I was very purposeful and very intentional because I said, Lord, I've got to fast from this. This isn't right. And so I did. I went into fasting and just said, look, I'm not going to watch it for a while. And before I knew it, I, I felt like I was delivered. But in short, I used to wear this hat all the time. And the Lord rem began to, as I started taking it off, I, I, I didn't have one. And I started realizing that, that I needed someone. I remember when I started my own practice and, and I'd left and been called out to start this new practice, which I really didn't know anything about. Um, there was a lot of lost patients went other way and people went this way. And, and I was just like just struggling. But I remember when I went out, and I said, well, who do I call, Lord? I was in my bathroom. I said, do I call Duke and ask them to be a partner with me so I can have that name? And he said, I'm Jehovah Nisi. I never asked that again. I had to look up what Jehovah Nisi meant. He said, I'm your banner. You need to know who is your banner. Who do you look to? Who do people see when you walk in? Jehovah Nisi. So 
So law is, uh, he says easy. Easy comes from the, the Greek word krestos. The word denotes that which is useful, pleasant, suitable, and serv- serviceable. The legalistic religious system was a severe burden, but service to Jesus does not chafe. Because it is well fitting and built on personal relationship with God by the indwelling Holy Spirit. So you're not falling on the rules, customs, traditions that are based on you and your effort and your ability. You're now translated into the kingdom of his son. where you get to enjoy the benefit of the Holy Spirit's supernatural ability. Working in and through you. And your identity is no longer you under the law, but your identity is in Christ. Under grace, as Christ Jesus is, so you are. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So when God sees you, he sees Jesus. But getting us to see ourselves as Jesus is a totally different thing. Oh, I'm just like Jesus. I'm a a bond servant of Christ. I'm equally yoked with him. I'm one with Christ. The... One of the um, texts, a couple of scriptures, where we get to see God's love for us and why he did it. Why did he allow his son to go through all that? The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Not the world in terms of this planet. The world is in terms of human beings, you and me. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You have to work to focus on Jesus in this today's society. There's so much going on. We have to remain focused. We have to make time with Jesus. And and I commend you for coming into the house of worship today. To spend some time to fellowship with one another and to fellowship with God, because he says where two or three are gathered in my name. I am there also. That's how much he wants to be with us. He said, if y'all get together, I'll be there. Adam, Eve, where where, where are you? Why have you turned from me? God's constantly chasing, pursuing us out of relationship. And we're like, look, look, I got to take care of this right now. I'll get back to you. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. Sometimes you have these little, these unctions and and this motivation in the spirit. And you're like, but, but, but I, I got to do this. The Holy Spirit says, Mark, you're moving so fast. Slow down. And I'm, I'm saying, in my mind, I didn't say this. I slowed down at least at that moment. And but I got so much to do. I got so, I got so many people I got to see. I got, I've got to get back in my car and drive to the office. I've got things I've got to do. And the Holy Spirit says, slow down. If you're going to work with me, you have to be in step with me. If you want to be yoked to that system, go ahead. But if you want to tap into the supernatural and roll in the supernatural, by the way, that's me. You roll with me and you go at my pace. 
It's good news when you discover that God is not bound by time. He can take whatever your concern is when the Holy Spirit says slow down and he can take care of it. Everything you thought you were committed to do, he can just take care of. Why? Because he's God and he's always going to be God. He won't ever change. So. This scripture I'm about to read shows where we fit in. It shows Jesus' heart for us. He knew what he was about to do. He knew what he was about to suffer. He knew the cup that he was about to drink. The cup of iniquity, the cup of sin, the cup of depravity. He knew it. He knew the scripture was talking about him. He was completely aware. He was never unaware. He would be battered, bruised, scourged, nailed physically to a cross, to a tree. Nailed. Spikes penetrated his flesh to get this grace to us. To get this grace in you. He allowed those spikes to go in him. He allowed that whip, the cat of nine tails, to whip the skin off his body. The Bible says he was unrecognizable to get this grace to us. We can't raise our hands. We can't praise God. Then you don't know it. Is there anything you wouldn't willingly do for him? If he says, lay prostrate on this ground, I'm prostrate on the ground. I get to serve him. I get to call myself his servant. Willingly. I get to sow into his kingdom that he fortified with his blood. I get to do it. You're not doing God any favors? By doing good works? He says, your works are like filthy rags. I'm looking for a contrite art. I'm looking for a believer. The work of God in John 6, 29, when the disciples had said, Jesus, how do we work this? We see you doing all this. How do we work this, this, this kingdom thing? He said, believe in me. And the work that I do, you'll do even greater work than me. So we see here in this scripture in that we're about to read that where we fit into Jesus' heart, 
He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they will be they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me. I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them. As you have loved me. Father, I desire that they that also they also whom you gave me. May be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which you have given me for you have for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous father. The world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I declare to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Are you willing to be a bond servant of Jesus Christ? For those of you who don't know Jesus, Jesus extends the invitation. Come. Those who are here, those who are watching by other means, Jesus says, come surrender your heart to him. Confess that you have sinned and all of us have gone astray and missed the mark, have gone too far. But he wants you to be saved. He wants you to be a part of his family. And for those who are believers, he gives you a choice to roll with him, to be yoked with him. It's not a burden. How many of you know serving Jesus is not a burden?